Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. This episode of the Tennis Nerd Podcast is a bit different. I am interviewed by Phil from Tweenerhead Tennis. Make sure to subscribe to their channel. They're trying to reach 5,000 subscribers this year and it's a great tennis content channel. And he interviewed me, he wanted to ask about my life as a playtester, uh, how I got started with Tennis Nerd and you know, typical situations and things that come up in the line of work I do and in my kind of experience of testing hundreds and hundreds of rackets and strings and shoes and whatnot over the years. So it was a fun conversation and I hope you will enjoy it. Uh, you will learn a bit more about me and my, my process. Let's get going and make sure to subscribe to Tweener Head Tennis. Jonas, thank you so much for joining me today then. I really do appreciate it. Thank it's you very every, much. It's not every day we get to talk to someone that I think has reviewed more tennis gear than I have ever owned in my entire life. So it's always good to pick someone's brain and talk to them about how they do this. But to start, where how did you start Tennis Nerd? Where did this all come from? What was the inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I was always been a, a big tennis nerd, like ever since I was like six years old, like, you know, walking around air swinging old ladies in the stomach in the streets, because <laughs> I mean, I was like, just in my own head all the time. Yeah, you know, I was always like, ah, oh, forehand, backhands, forehand, backhands. And then I moved to other sports uh, where I grew up, like tennis wasn't the, the tennis training was pretty poor, I would say, like I had a pretty bad coach, didn't really inspire the kids, a lot, a lot of kids in one group, you know, that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I played chess up to kind of professional level until I was in my 20s oh, wow. and then I actually came back to tennis after I kind of stopped playing chess high level competitively I, I went back to tennis and okay. then I, I just went big nerd again like that that was when I was just oh gear is so, so much fun you started trying everything you know string tensions gear um shoes whatnot uh, and just fell into that rabbit hole it's not good for your tennis but it's it's fun so that's kind of how it how it started and I I started writing about tennis as kind of on the side of work because I was I always watched quite a lot of tennis. I always followed the tour. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to kind of write down my ideas for like blogs and, you know, different things. So I started Tennis Nerd pretty early as like kind of more of a news or blog vessel for the thing. But then I noticed the more I started trying gear, the more I tried to figure out how gear works in, in tennis, that people actually resonated with the content. And then that's where I started tweaking it towards being more... I mean, I thought I was crazy, you know, I test so many things and, and also before I even did anything of this, uh, of tennis nerd, uh, but then there are a lot of people that are crazy outside, <laughs> outside my world as well. So, you know, uh, so I, that, that's a, that was a shock to me, but it's, it's a fun shock. So now it's like a, like a thing, you know, you actually have a lot of people who, are, who resonate with what you, you do and what I like. So it's, uh, yeah, it's started that way. And then just kind of, I mean, you know how it is, it's things snowball uh, as mm -hmm. you go along and then slowly slowly and now i'm doing this full-time so it's uh it's a wow. bit weird yeah it, it for you doing it full-time too is that was that like a cool realization that you had or was it like something you fell into i kind of yeah i, I felt i mean i was doing it on the side of work for a long time i was like a marketing director consultants i've always worked kind of most of my professional career in marketing so mm -hmm. it came kind of natural to me to start doing something with a website and social media whatever uh, because I did it for other brands. Uh, mm -hmm. But then when you do things for yourself or you are like uh, in front of the camera, it always feels a bit strange because I used to work like even on production, you go to LA, you have like a big budget, mm -hmm. uh, but you're like the guy who is the budget guy. So you pay for the stuff uh, from <laughs> your company's pockets. 
uh, and you follow how it's done, but you don't do anything. You just sit yep. there and eat donuts and you watch people work, you know? So it's, it's pretty good. Uh, you, you let everyone else do the work for you and you just sit yeah. in the background like I, I've done my job. I just get to see how everyone makes it. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like a yes or no man, right? So you say, yeah. okay, I like, well, this edit was a bit better. Uh, this is cool. So you just go along for the ride, mm -hmm. uh, which is super fun. You learn a lot. You meet a lot of interesting people. But now it's the opposite. Now I do everything myself. Um, uh, beware, it's a cat in the background there. I yeah, it's a <laughs> <laughs> now it's covered by the mic. But <laughs> no, it's okay. She, um, we're, I'm, watching my, I'm, I'm watching uh, uh, my girlfriend's best friend's cats, and there's two of them, and they're both kittens. So if you see Aww. them doing anything, ridiculous please that's good if, well she jumps for the candle i might have to pause and... if you if you want more views than interviewing me i think you just just put the cats in front of the camera and i think you will get like a two million views straight away right i think <laughs> i'll just i think that's just a live stream idea that you just gave me so i'll yeah. just have them play with a tennis ball and have it called cat tennis no i mean i'm like that stuff i mean i i watch a lot of animal videos i'm i'm ashamed to admit uh and <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is so sweet. Look, there's a dog and a bird is their best friends, you know, and stuff like this. That's, that's the <laughs> stuff I, when my brain wants to shut off, I, I watch that stuff because I love it. Oh, wow. So it's, it's cool. Anyway, but that, that what works on the internet as well. People yeah. like that. It's me and cat ladies that watch it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you put yourself in that category too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm a male cat lady. That's, that's, that's... who I am. And a tennis nerd. No, so uh, yeah. So the realization of going full on like that it took time i mean i didn't want to just oh here all my savings or just jump into something i think that's pretty stupid uh, mm -hmm. and I, I was just like gradually trying it and then when i i thought i built it up to a enough of an income that i can at least live of it mm -hmm. and i said okay from last year it was then i do it full time yeah and it's been yeah. going pretty well so I, I can keep doing it you know and then yeah. obviously you need to like it's funny with business or entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call it it's like you have to keep moving it in the right direction because as soon as it otherwise it derails and goes the wrong direction you know so you always need to keep the momentum you can't just go into being a bit uh, too laid back or just uh, this works you have a system it works you just keep doing it because then you know either you will people will lose interest you know you mm -hmm. need to keep improving all the time that is the that is the stress of i would say the content creation which mm -hmm. i'm sure you know quite well <laughs> as well so and that's it, the thing I noticed, but I, I, it's still, I mean, like I'm, I'm having fun, you know, it, it's a, it's a great job. Yeah. Uh, I, I would make more money if I was like a marketing director for a online company probably, but I, I would have much less fun. So that's why I'm doing it. Sorry. <laughs> They're playing in the back. Fucking cats. Um, I have a water gun too that I have to find so. What are you doing? They're eating something or no? I don't know. They knocked something over. I'm just gonna leave it alone for now. But yeah, you sorry. Have, you know, if you want to go up and check, it's fine. No, it's it's okay. Um, the well, it's funny that you said you have to adapt and evolve, and that like all content creators on YouTube or on any platform for that matter, you always have to move forward and try to get one percent better every day. The the thing though with content that we create is for it to work especially the you have to spend money to kind of evolve your channel and while you can develop it you also have to look at because i feel like and i've noticed this it's you i have to spend money to review it 
So yeah. if I have to, I have to get shoes. Like I just bought the new Cybersonics from Adidas. Like I have to spend money in order to not make it back, but to have a video to create. Does that yeah. make sense? And, yeah, yeah, and no, no, you, I spent a lot of money in the beginning. Yeah, I like was about was, to say, it, yeah. for you, do you ever find that troubling to spend money to make the content that you do? Because you're testing new gear every day, every week, every month. So how do you balance it out to find the right gear or to test the right gear? Yeah, luckily I have like tennis warehouse Europe and and mainly I would say that they now send me demos and stuff so I don't okay. have to pay for rackets. I still purchase stuff that I can't get a hold of, right? So okay. through the demo program or like sometimes people ask me, sometimes I can reach out and say, hey guy, you know, can you send me some demos? If it's like a brand, you know, you, mm -hmm. I, they don't ship it to, the Euro to Europe otherwise or... So you have to be very creative. I've spent yeah. a lot of money in the beginning, <laughs> partly because I liked it, obviously. Yeah. And then it gets a bit easier. And now I have enough of a platform to I say, hey, can you send me a demo? And they they will. They will okay. in many cases, not all cases. Yeah. And the, with the brands, I'm 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 sure you're aware. Like some, you might have a great relationship. It works well. And then uh, they change staff or like some people leave, and then you have no relationship. Like it's happened yeah. to me with some brands. Mm -hmm. that I, I think was fine. You know, it's like, okay, you launched a new, this product, you know, it, it can keep me posted just on the launch schedule. When can yeah. I post stuff? Like when, yeah. when you do this, you know, and uh, yeah. And some have a problem with me being always honest because that was always my platform. Like, I'm not going to do this and be like a bot voice for a brand. Mm. I would never do that. That then it's all is over. You know, if, if I start yeah. doing that, it's, it's over. I, I lose all credibility. It's just gone. And I, I wouldn't like to, to be that person, then I can take another job or do something else. So mm -hmm. I was always like, I'm going to be harsh on stuff that I don't find good. And I'm trying to always be like, in a way, seeing pros and cons with everything, yeah. unless I just find it's like, I mean, and I would say, no, if there's a rip of product or something that happened in the past, I've just like, I'm not going to even talk about your product. Like it's mm -hmm. not, you know, uh, so that's, that's how you have to be. I think in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that too, because I feel like a lot of people, and for myself, I can only speak from my own experiences. When you get products sent to you or you have it tested, you get a little bit tentative and for you yeah. uh, to talk about it. And for you, it doesn't seem like that's the case because you're you're true, I guess, to the consumer rather than to the brand itself. Yeah, I I, I mean, I learned I had some rough uh, lessons, but I always stay true to that probably because I had like I always a job on the side and now I'm not like. I'm not really dependent on the, if the brand sends me like a pair of shoes, you know, I'm not dependent on, you know, Adidas liking me. So I can be yeah. quite like, Hey, you know, these are not like a good evolution of the shoe or it doesn't yeah. work for me. Uh, so I always kept that focus and uh, I've had situations where like, you know, brand sends me stuff and I was like, I, I didn't roast it, but I, I was a little bit brutal in Harsh. some ways Yeah, and they don't want to send me stuff anymore. But that's yeah. fine. You know, that's up to them, right? But that, then okay. that's that's a thing, right? So you have to just accept it. It's a bit easier if, you know, with my, my relationship with Tennis Warehouse because they, okay, they can tell me, they could tell me technically like, hey, man, you're very negative, but they, they've never done that and they don't want to touch my content. I do whatever I want. Yeah. So, which is great. Otherwise, I would be like, hey, hey people, you, we, we need to do rethink this because I always need to be honest because it's a consumer-focused channel. It's not a brand-focused channel. Yeah. So you have to, 
which is tougher in a way. Yeah. But it's like also because I mean it's since it's audience centric, I have to be honest always, you know. So yeah. it's uh, and sometimes people think, oh, this was very well edited. It's an ad. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not an ad. I I just said some negative things in the beginning, but it's it, because people have this perception that obviously it's more easy for people to be a bit negative about stuff generally. Like it's it's an easier. Yeah. I think it's an easier I, route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if you. I think one way to build a strong channel would be like just roast things. You know, you just be like, this is shit. This is the worst. Mm. And I know a lot of people who comment on my videos that just want to roast. Like they just want to hear someone say, this is shit. It was much better in the old days. Yeah. They haven't made a good racket since the 90s. This, yeah. And it's not true. I don't think it's true. That, yeah. that sounds like, you know, so it's, uh, that's a tough one because it's you can easily go either way. You can either be too super optimistic about everything. It's the best racket ever, best shoe ever. Yeah. Uh, and then the brands will like you or you go and roast everything and people will like you maybe. But yeah, it's, it's, it's also not so nice being so negative. So I think yeah. it's like, I'm trying to find a balance is not easy, but I'm, what I'm trying always, you know? Well, uh, let me ask you this and kind of sticking with that negative route. And it's, it, well, first of all, the internet's just a terrifying place. The internet <laughs> will true. always, will always be negative no matter what it is. They'll never be a hundred percent satisfied. And I, and I feel like I I get that a lot and yeah. that's fine because that's what if you're I, I one thing I learned when I first started this, if you don't get dislikes when YouTube had dislikes, if you don't get dislikes or you don't have bad comments, you're not doing the right thing. You're not having yeah. you're not having that true voice of opinion because then you become a yes man. And for you dealing with different products and different brands for that matter have you ever received a product that you've tested but never wanted to publish or you never or you tested it and you're like this never wanted to okay hold on sorry yeah no worries <laughs> it's fun with some cat stuff what are you doing they're, they're very active why are you on the counter Let me get my gun out. My water gun. All right. Sorry, Jonas. Yeah, no worries, man. Cat they, problems. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. We put our we put tin foil on our kitchen counter so that way if they jump onto it, they jump right back off. Oh, and yeah, they're yeah. get they're getting a little bit risky so now i have a water gun with me so that's great um, <laughs> yeah it's usually helps. that's you um but what was i saying yeah yeah the oh. products like that you get that you don't want to review yeah it, it it has happened i think really only once that i said i'm not gonna give this any attention at all like it was a product i thought was like a, a like a i mean it was well received by some other but i, I just couldn't get it like i thought it was like a bit of a ripoff product so can i you... was like okay i'm not gonna even talk about this because this is like okay i can roast it but then I felt like this is also the wrong approach because yeah. maybe there are people who actually think this is good, but I, I couldn't find any kind of way to describe this in a good way. So can you say uh, what product it was or would you rather not? I would rather not probably. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it, it's a very, no, it's, it's the only reason if it was a Wilson product or a head, I would happily do it. But mm -hmm. this is like an unknown brand. So it's like, a, oh, okay. you know, so yeah, it's not even, it's, it's not, not even know. worth talking no, about. No, no, it's not even on the market or anything like, but it was oh, just wow. like not a good product. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. I did not know that. Um, For you and kind of getting into the nitty gritty of it, what's 
over the last, I would say the last couple of years, what's been the best? Because now I'm going to go into what you've tested. Yeah. And one of the things that I saw you talk about is you, you seem to be a, va- a fan of vocal. I do like vocal rackets. Uh, not all of them. Uh, not all of them. They make some good rackets. I think it's it's one of those uh, overlooked brands. Like there are a few uh, that I, I think are a little bit overlooked. Like because I mean, if I look at also what people want to watch, if you publish anything about Wilson Bubble or Head, that yeah. is like an instant winner because yeah. those brands are so known because all the pros endorse their products. So you, you're gonna get good views. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like for the smaller brands that they're trying, but it's it's not really like it unless you have a big budget to put pro players. Uh, on your roster, I think it's tough. You know, it's quite tough to get any huge sales or any kind of brand penetration. So that's really a bit why. I wouldn't say like Vulcan rackets are better than head rackets or anything like that, but it's Mm. kind of like an overlooked one, you know, and and there's a few others. I mean, even Dunlop are now making some strides. Yeah. Technifiber making some strides. Uh, But overall, there are a few brands that I, you know, they don't get a lot of attention, you know. So it's kind of a little bit of like a, you know, give give the unknown some love. Do you you think they're... If you, if you were to pick a brand that was at least racket brand, we'll start with that, a racket brand that's the most underrated on the market right now, which brand would you say is the most underrated for a tennis racket? That's a tough one, actually. Uh, I'm a big fan of the new Fury rackets, but <laughs> nobody... Really? Yeah, yeah, I really like those. I, I think they're actually quite I, good. I only heard about them last year, and I have yet to try them. Because I yeah, feel you like should, I, you I, should. Uh, I they, can't. They are good rackets. Yeah, yeah, very good rackets. Yeah. What would you recommend for the Fury? The Arma Pro 98. I mean, my father even stole them from me. So uh, that's how good <laughs> they are. No, <laughs> very good, good sticks, actually. Because uh, they, they, they kind of have like box beam from like a pro staff. Ooh. But they give a little bit more pop, you know? So I like it's, that. Yeah, it's a bit of a modern approach to it. I, I find it really, you know, like a, a, a kind of addictive to play with, right? Really? Uh, I don't play with them as much anymore because he, he uses them. And, and you know, I tried to help him find a racket because he plays a lot. Like he plays four or five times a week uh, and uh, mainly doubles, I would say, but he plays mm-hmm. a lot. So I, I wanted to have for him to have a racket he's happy with. And he went from a Blade Night 8, which is way too difficult for his level. Oh, yeah. And I was just about finding. This is also maybe too difficult, but he likes it. So it's like you also have to like what you play. You can't just... Yeah. It's, I mean, some players you can say, "Hey, you should use a oversized light racket," and and they don't enjoy it. So mm-hmm. it's about having fun, you know. So I think it's about finding the the balance of fun and and also performance. Yeah, really. It, it's really hard, especially to sell someone because it's all it's all your own opinion too. You yeah. can you can push someone, and while when I worked in a tennis shop, that's the number one thing I learned is. Yeah, you can push people towards a direction of the which ones you like personally, but you have to give them the variety that's going to allow them to try out different frames and different feels because at the end of the day, I'm not using the racket. You're going to be using the racket for 100% of the time. So there's no point of me trying to push a brand that you're not going to like personally versus everything else. Yeah, 100% true. And I, I when I do like I do some consultations and stuff also for pro players, they don't really need like four different brands. They are more like, you know, I'm, I have a contract with head, what mm-hmm. kind of model, or these are my specs. And, you know, I get mm-hmm. a video from them playing and stuff like this. 
but the mo- a lot of them are also like intermediate, even beginner level players. Mm-hmm. And then it's more about finding like four frames within that category that are high quality rackets. Mm-hmm. And then always the best approach. I mean, it's not every, I mean, I could be from India, whatever, and then they don't have these models or something. They don't have any demo programs. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the US, for example, and many countries in Europe, there is a demo program. So you can actually go and like, hey, here, I want to try four different rackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you try four different ones. And usually one will gravitate, you know, you will gravitate to more towards one of them or two. And mm-hmm. then you can compare a bit more closely. But if you try four models that should be in your spec range and you don't like any of them, mm-hmm. that is maybe not the best sign. I mean, usually you you kind of like one of them. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. it could be the problem with the strings or something else. But it's I, I, I agree that it's such a subjective feel and you Mm -hmm. feel connected to one thing and it's not really rational why you like it sometimes. So you have to just try a bit. Yeah. And my job in this case, I've been to kind of narrow it down, like just to say, okay, or or sometimes some people contact me and they have very easy problems. Like it's just about adding some weight to the Mm -hmm. hoop to increase the swing weight stability or reducing the string tension. Cause a lot of people play with very high string tensions, full bed of polyester and they're, like NTRP three three point fives, you know, and you're like, okay, you're gonna have tennis elbow, you know, yeah. or or just not get any pop, right? We we have the same problem. I think I well, one with subjective, it's one person that I've taught has a Wilson one hundred four as a advanced beginner, maybe intermediate, yeah, and it's just it's too big of a head, and then there's one. Another player that has, I think, strings at 71 pounds. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just like, and I'm like, why? Like, there, there's no point. But again, it's not my business. Yeah. I know that's going to suck for me. I know that's not going to work for my level. But for yeah. other people, it's going to work. And they because they're so used to it, they won't change it at all. Because they've gotten used to it by playing with the same tension for over 10 years. Yeah, yeah. if you play with something a long time. Uh, and perhaps you're like, you've been in the tennis game for a long time. Like some mm. people are quite new, like, oh yeah, I played for three years. I played all the time with this that I borrowed from, you know, my brother or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it could be a good idea to change, you know, for yeah. example, uh, and, and be more open-minded. But for some people, it's tough to open their minds as well to say, hey, mm-hmm. if you re- reduce your tension, you're going to get like more pocketing. You're going to get easier depth, uh, bigger sweet spot. Yes, you will lose some control. But you might not be the player that is like you needs control. That's mostly for mm-hmm. like really high level players that exactly. want more control. Uh, but then on the other hand, some people have like a bit odd techniques and they hit the ball ultra flat. So control is hundred percent there what they need. So yeah, it's it's uh, tennis is uh it has like a four million swing paths <laughs> styles and uh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's quite difficult to get a, like a blanket solution to their problems, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And kind of now that we did underrated, what's what was the most overrated racket product or what had the most hype that you just didn't believe in? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, it's not been that many rackets that have been hyped. Like the clash was a, a very good product for its purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a reason like you don't see the pros use the clash, for example, like yeah. I, I respect the clash a lot. I liked it. I reviewed it very favorably because it was like an attempt to do something new yeah but it's also for players who crave control it's going to be tough because there's so much movement in the string bed right so there's yeah. like you you don't see it on the atp or or even wta tour i think maybe one wta player i've seen using it 
mm-hmm. so that that's one I wouldn't say it's overrated, but it's something that got extreme hype. Mm-hmm. But it has such a uh kind of a narrow or or at least a very specific demographic that you can't just blanket kind of recommend it to yeah. I would say to advanced players because they're yeah. not gonna agree with it. I don't see a lot of advanced players using it. So I think then in this case, it's usually better if the brands are a bit more like this racket is for X, Y, Z player. Like it's mm-hmm. not, sometimes I think they, they lack, you know, they, they don't inform because they, they think maybe that it's like, oh, this will sell to everyone. Yeah. We're going to maximize sales. But for the consumer, I think they would be very well appreciative if you get the information who is this actually for and what are the pros and cons like even from the manufacturer like yeah we made this racket for players that have tennis elbow like we made this racket just and there's so many of them and that's enough of a target group uh so then some players that don't suffer from tennis elbow or or lead more control they're not even going to try it because it's not for them right so i think that is where all the brands could improve in informing the players what different type of player their rackets are for I think that is a, a missed opportunity, I would say, for, for many. Do you think that's hard, though, for them to make or to at least advertise for one specific demographic? Because rackets can be used by anyone. Yeah. But when it comes true. to but when it comes to saying, OK, this racket is meant for this person, it'll it'll be overlooked because it's already put into that one demographic of tennis players. Yeah, no, you're right. And also, like, sometimes there's overlap. So some players who you think he should never use this, and he's like, oh, I love this. This is the best racket ever for me. And and it's it's not logical from the point of view or not rational in any way. So I also see their point of view, but maybe mm-hmm. an attempt at la- trying to identify the demographic. I think sometimes the issue is, like, it's, it's for example, if they sell polyester strings, mm-hmm. they usually want to write power control, comfort whatever on whatever string like all these strings have this like a lot of the packaging has these bars in the background like nine to like one to ten mm-hmm. and it, they're all up in the eight to ten like it is like yeah. oh lux and all the power it has nine power ten control nine i mean come on like this is not how you rate something you know it's like <laughs> can't have both power and control top max score yeah uh, so that i find a little bit i mean it probably works for sales but it's <laughs> you know, I, I think some honesty in marketing uh, wins the consumer in the long run. That, that's just my, maybe it's a naive opinion. I was always thinking this when I worked also in, in marketing, that transparency wins the day in the end. I think yeah. that's generally a long-term brand uh, strategy is to be more transparent. And I think that's what I try to do with my thing as well, because it's it's what I believe in, right? Well, it, it's always hard, especially with, well, again, being an independent content creator and ha- not having any ties to any specific brand it's yeah. going to be much different than you working for them because that's always you I wouldn't say tied down but I would say I would say just making sure that you have the ability to say what you want without hindering the consumer's opinion yeah no I think sometimes when you have people that are under contract and they're trying to review gear from the brand that are under contract it become mm. it's kind of moot right so yes if if you are already sponsored by this brand how can you review their products like it's not a review you can you can say hey i endorse this product because i think it's a great product that's fine that's not a mm-hmm. review it's just like your opinion so that's fine but then that that then that review loses some power i think that's why i, I would like i would never sign up with a brand like a racket brand or anything because 
then it's it's also gone. Like I would be, you know, uh, I would be tough to to review stuff that you're already like, or people who are paying you for something, or it's, it's tough, you know. So, um, yeah, the 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 independent reviewer route is 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 difficult. It's also the problem of like you you're trying to be, um, you know, semi objective as far as mm-hmm. object objective can go in a subjective human being. Mm-hmm. But then obviously I'm not everyone, so I'm just one guy, right? And I yeah. I, I have my preferences in my playing and stuff so i have to always be very open say this is my opinion obviously and then if i bring like two or three other guys on the review or a girl mm-hmm. or whatever you know give their opinion as well yeah uh, i think that is important but people also have to realize this is like i don't have a lab where i measure like the power level of each yeah. racket you know and some people ask for, ask for that like oh you should have a metrics for everything i'm like okay then i need to invest in a facility and like some i mean that's, that's a little bit beyond <laughs> what i can do right so I want you to invest a hundred thousand euros into one small room, so yeah. that way you can test one specific thing for one person out of the f- almost fifty thousand subscribers that you have. Yeah, that that is the internet. I think in a nutshell, I think a lot of people yeah. are, you know, they see a YouTube channel as their like private little group where they can just like <laughs> suggest anything things. they want. And so, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's nice, like in a way that it's a community. But then some people are expecting so much out of one person. And I'm not talking about myself, but but like I watch a lot of other YouTubers and it, it's insane what the people in the comment section sometimes propose. And I'm like, what, 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 <laughs> what is this? You know, it's pretty funny. actually. It's, it, it's one of those things. Again, the internet is evil. Um, and for you, I know we have a little bit more time left. So I want to ask a couple more questions for you. Yeah. So again, Jonas, I appreciate you doing this. How many rackets, if you were to ballpark how many rackets you own right now, how many do you think you, uh, like, what's the number of rackets that you own? I think maybe 150 at the moment, I would guess. Because I am in Spain now, I have uh, an apartment in Malta, and that has two wardrobes full of rackets, right? So it's 150 probably. I need to sell some, uh, good to loosen up some money, but it's it's also a hassle to sell because it's like, you have to go to the post office, and uh, you know the shipment and the blah blah and the payment. It's it's like a job in itself. Like you, I, yeah, to just send rackets. I I I've done it over the years. I used to trade a lot of rackets. Like I don't, I've tried it. I didn't wasn't for me. And then you find some other person on a forum or something, and you trade rackets. I send yeah. him one. He sends me one. Right. That I've done okay. a lot. Uh, and that helped me review. I mean, I reviewed so many rackets over the years. <laughs> Through that, like through buying, selling, and trading online, like a lot of yeah. it is that. Like it's not been like I'm buying everything new. Yeah, it's been that I I have something, I trade it or I sell it, and I buy okay. something else, and I buy and sell. So it's been okay. Like, so much time spent, you know, like with this barter deals on <laughs> the tennis rackets. You know, that's that's yeah. what, how I reviewed so many. I would say Dude, the stock market of tennis rackets. I yeah, feel yeah, like you're the like guy. The stick market. Yeah, the stick market. I like yeah. that. Just start that. Buy that domain straight away. Stick more. There you go. (laughs) For you too, it's... I was about to say that you can't... If you were going to buy every racket new, I feel like I would be broke within... Yeah, it would be too. Like like within five. Like it would just... It would be too much. It's insanely expensive as well. And they're going up now. Like if you look at the the prices, I discussed that on the other day with a friend of mine. It's like 300 bucks now for like the new pro staffs, like $320. I'm like, wow, man. It's going for, for one two, racket. Two, I think it's going two fifty now for brand new Wilsons, or at least the the pro staff and the ultra. Now it's like two forty nine. 
Yeah, which yeah, I should. I'm sure. If, if it's not more, if it's not more, I, I think well, I, last time I checked, it was more than that. I, and then I, it's like it just doesn't make sense to me why why it would. Maybe because it's just the demand. But I, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's going up again? I mean, they used to. I mean, from what I heard, it's like partly supply chain stuff that happened after yeah. COVID. I guess. Um, well, that's 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 the excuse for every. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I, I that's the excuse that for every. That's the excuse <laughs> for every brand. I, I, yeah, yeah. I get that through, um, freaking, uh, clothing brands. It's like, oh, okay, we're just the supply chain is short. Well, no shit. It's been like that for everyone. Now, what's your excuse? Yeah, I, I at some point that excuse has an expiration date that's going to run out, right? So yeah. I, I think also it's i mean i think tennis is growing which is a great news for everyone in tennis uh, i mean yeah. the pickleball is growing like crazy but tennis is, is also growing and mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's just like an opportunistic way of making more money i don't know I mean, because the rackets are being sold like people yeah i think people generally have like decent buying power uh, no matter what the kind of financial state of the world is but it's pretty mm -hmm. decent buying power and since there's so many products on the market uh, which I've noticed over the years working with tennis is like now the, the launch cycle of, of rackets is just increased, right? So you yeah. use like new models all the time. Like, yeah. so if I'm in a, like a heavy testing period, like it's just my head is spinning, right? It's so much, <laughs> you have to try this, you have to try that. The the shift, the pro stuff, the this and that. So it's um, as a consumer, I guess also if you're into rackets, uh, you get kind of, obviously lured into like oh there's a new one this and then you check the reviews and then it's uh suddenly the wallet is is empty or i, I know some guys hiding rackets from their wives you know stuff like that so it's like <laughs> <laughs> pretty can be a pretty bad source of spending yeah uh, especially if you're like even for the i mean i i did work with some or work with some i mean like i have friends with the, some pros that are on the struggling level of like 500 600 700 atp mm. whatever and they have to buy their own rackets. And if they use an old yeah. model, they have to, you know, try to find this on the internet somewhere. And it's yeah. like, old, since like a few years, it's it's not on sale anymore. Yeah. Um. So it's it's tough. And they, they need a lot of rackets as well. Like they need like yeah. a six to nine rackets. And then that's a big, big expense, of course, you know, it's yeah. like $300 per racket. And then it adds up, right? And strings, yeah. stringing, bags, which, travel. Yeah. Which Which is another concept that we could definitely get into when it comes to pro level players that need brackets on that level because it's yeah. not just string and then without their accommodation like this is a whole nother this is a whole nother topic for them that's that's what makes it worse and i think for you and i'm gonna end this with this question because i know you gotta go but this has been yeah, i have some more time it's fine no it's okay Jonas. i i appreciate you doing this uh, guys, if you aren't subscribed to Tennis Nerd, please go subscribe to him. Let's get him to 50,000 subscribers. We would love to see that happen. Um, for you, what gear are you looking forward to in 2023? Like this year, there's there's a lot that's already come out. We had the shift. We had the pro staff. Adidas has already come out with their Cybersonics. Uh, Vocal, Dunlop, everyone's come out with some great new products so far. What are you personally looking forward to? Right now, uh, I, I mean, I was a bit surprised with my recent shifts. I mean, because a lot of the reviews I've done in recent times have all been, I would say, like slightly positive because like it, it's okay. just been, a, I would say, a tad improvement over the previous generation. So this mm -hmm. is also for several brands. It's been the latest Dunlop. Head of late have been doing minute improvements, okay. uh, some 
cosmetic optics. I mean, the racket plays a bit better, uh, and mm -hmm. they fixed maybe the issue. Maybe it was a little bit too stiff. Uh, the field was not 100% connected. They fixed mm -hmm. some things, right? Okay. Uh, I would say Yonex are the most interesting brand in terms that they, when they relaunch rackets, they make quite a significant upgrade. They always change the mold, for example, like the structure of the racket. Mm -hmm. It's always changed, yeah. which I commend them for because that is, uh, that is a bit of a gutsy move because yeah. the players are used to one, you know, and suddenly it's played completely different. Uh, so they do that, which is cool. And... Mm -hmm. uh, but some brands also find like, all right, we did this. It's the best head speed we can come up with. So mm -hmm. we're just going to make some small improvements to it and people love it. So I understand that from a business point of view as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm very curious now about the pro staffs and then uh, I'm waiting for the demos to come to me now. Uh, okay. Because partly it's been like a very polarizing cosmetic. Some people love it. I mean, for some it's pro staff so it should always be like, blacked out Black. or something like that yeah or like the original sampras color with the small three stripes on the side which, yeah that, that's a beautiful uh, i love iconic. that one that's iconic yeah. and i i like and i didn't mean to interrupt you but for the pro staff the they gone with this glossy finish which on the blade that they did or they launched what last year or the year before the green, yeah, that yeah, would the, the color shift, the pattern, color shift, right? which is, it looks all right, but it looks more brown to me. So this gold, I'm very interested to see how well they're gonna, how well it's gonna go for players, or if players are gonna, that are gonna use the pro staff this year are gonna keep it this color, or maybe have it in a black version if they do offer that to the pros. Yeah, no, no, they, I've seen some pro versions like some pros. I mean, usually they get to choose if they're high ranking pros, like if they want glossy paint or if they want like matte. Yeah, I, I think the retail are matte and they're like brown, but they it, it they call them like because it's funny with these cosmetics from Wilson because it's a color shifting design mm -hmm. in the sunlight. It might look amazing. But yeah. off the sunlight, it might look a little bit dull, right? Or this yeah. brown, like, you know, toilet inspired, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, that's what I, I saw some on some forums. I haven't seen it up close. So I'm really curious about it. That's why I said it, it's one of those things I look forward to. I was always a, a pro staff fan. Like the 6195 was my racket for a long time. Yeah. Although, uh, although demanding frame, but it's, it's great. I thought the previous pro staff were very good, like quite low powered, but very good. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what did they do? And also, it was a bit of a gutsy move to do this cosmetic because, like, they could go easily, like, black, you know, yeah. tribute to Federer, whatever. They could try something. But here they went with something a little bit different. And mm -hmm. uh, if you look at, like, the product description, they actually, they actually call it Rust, uh, which is not an... It's an interesting color definition. Uh, but, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm super curious about this one. So, um, Rust. Uh, if you look at, like... Yeah, tennis warehouse. It's it's the racket colors rust. So I think it's got to come from from Wilson. So, um, oh, it I heard is it's called it's, rust. Yeah. Whoa. Like the photo from the Instagram. I'm looking at your website right now. Like that doesn't look. I don't know what to think about that. No, that like, I think a lot of people are in that boat. Like they they don't know what to think. Like it, some players are very. Um, I, they're not so happy about change in, in general. Uh, I noticed that about <laughs> tennis. Tennis players are very no, like, it's true. You know, they, very OCD, very particular yeah. of how they want everything, and that exactly. With and that I'm, color, I'm kind of usually like, I'm trying to always have massive open mind. Sometimes maybe too open, but it's like, 
So I, I'm very keen on seeing it, uh, mm -hmm. but I have no idea how I will like feel about it when I'm like holding it in my hand. And then the cosmetic is such a subjective thing; it doesn't really like affect how the racket plays or whatever. But, but I gonna... think it sells a lot of rackets, right? So I think it's like if you have a top-notch cosmetic that people like, oh, most like many sales will come from like people just like I love this; it looks amazing. I have to have it, you know. And I think that's and I think that's where, at least from a consumer perspective. It's not just how it plays, it it's how it looks. Because some people yeah. like a better color, some people like a more subtle way of going or like showing up on the court. But then you have ones like this where people use the pro staff and they see this color, they're like, I don't like this. What what else do you have? And then they switch to the blade or they switch to a completely different brand. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where I'm looking at it and the way I'm looking at it, it looks like brown sugar fell into a bucket of water and then they mixed it and then threw it on this pro staff. Yeah. I mean, that's also like, a, but it in some pictures it looks amazing. Some pictures yeah. look a little bit different. So that's why I think it's like one of those, you have to see it up close and see how it looks. And I have yeah. heard from people that have it in their hand that it looks really, really nice, but I'm also, I'm sure there's, there are always two sides of that story. Like some people yeah. are not happy with it. Uh, but I like that they took the risk. Uh, I do like risk taking and anything. Sometimes it just fails, but I think mm -hmm. you have to do that. Yeah. When the racket companies become too complacent, like they they just keep minor upgrades, yeah. it gets over time. It gets gonna get boring. Like and, yeah. and I guess it's gonna hurt sales. I would mm -hmm. I would guess. I don't know, but uh, well, this one I'm I'm really looking forward to. So in a few days okay. I'll I'll have the first hit. But right. what they what they did with their shift, uh, I must say, is that I, I was uh, that was positive surprise because I, I was very really? skeptical. You like that because I, it, it was, it was promoted everywhere. Like every Wilson ambassador, every person I've seen on Instagram has been playing with the shift. Yeah, and the cosmetic is actually kind of kind of cool. It it reminds yeah, like me it. of the prototype, um, or when the Clash first came out and they had that uh, hidden cosmetic. Yeah, Where the Cardassole. Yeah, it was the best cosmetic they ever did yeah. on a tennis racket. I love that one. I, it, it was, was really fantastic. Cool. So that kind yeah. of reminds me with that, with that kind of paint job. That looks good. And yeah. and what would you say about the shift? That uh, oh, I do like that bottom. The bottom of the handle, that clear black. That's actually yeah. Really they nice. did a good job. Like I mean, this is actually nice. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm always. You know, like you bring out a new model, it's always a time where you have to be like a little bit, okay, what, what are they trying to do? You have to try to mm -hmm. figure it out. Like, where are they placing this? Who is it for? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the brands, uh, pretty much all of them, they have their standard line. So, you know, you only mm -hmm. have the V-Core, the V-Core Pro and the E-Zone. Wilson have the Ultra for the power and the Blade for yeah. the kind of control mid-level player and the Pro stuff for like the precision people, you know? So, yeah. Um, but this one... It, I think it's just like this kind of modern middle ground racket, like the head yeah. speed, which is their bestseller. Uh, and I think this one has actually played really nicely. And I thought with the stiffness that it would be kind of harsh. And I've yeah. tried it well with different string setups and it's, it still plays pretty comfortable. So, mm -hmm. and Ooh. yeah, it feels, it feels good. I, I, I think they did something there, which I, I didn't see coming because sometimes it's, it's kind of gimmicky. Like the launches can be yeah. a bit gimmicky, but this one, this one actually overdo was... like, yeah, it's good. It was a good quality product, and yeah, I'm just looking which, at which the is spec sometimes you don't have to uh, like come up with this. You know, we use rocket dust or um, like we collect particles from Mars to infuse in this racket construction. No, you just need to create like a nice playing frame. Like you yeah. did something with the mold, which is new here. So 
and then that's what consumer likes and then they do like a nice cosmetic and you have a winner so it's not like it's not that complicated obviously this goes a lot of research and development into every racket um which i always respect because i've been to the factories and i i know they they do put a lot of work in in new Mm -hmm. rackets often but sometimes obviously it's gonna fail and sometimes it's gonna be like a a winner so yeah uh, this one seems pretty good so far I, i i really do like it maybe i should test this one but Jonas, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. I yeah. apologize for the interruptions with <laughs> it's cat interruptions. These, They're behind these, us now, so I see them, right? These demons. They found um, an Amazon box by the looks of it. So they we have three high. boxes that they like to play in. And that's just <laughs> how difference. how old are the cats? Uh not even a year. They're less than right, a yeah, year. Yeah. They're kittens. full of energy. Full of energy. And we bought three dollar springs off Amazon and they can't stop playing with them. So yeah, that's you don't have to pay uh, loads of money for for a pet cat toys, toy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give them an empty box. And that's what yeah. we've done. But yeah. Jonas, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. Make sure to go check them out. Instagram, YouTube, any other platform that you use. I think Twitter you use as well. It's- I try to use everything like I haven't been on uh, TikTok. Uh, it, it looks too much like a brain drain for me. And also, I, I think <laughs> then you have it's to adjust your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're on TikTok or no? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Um, probably a good idea like from a influencer point of view but you have to adjust your content i would assume right it's to be just very it's shorter fast. clips it's shorter yeah. clips and you can probably do 30 second reviews so cutting your down your videos down to like three key points yeah it's, it's not, it's yeah, not I mean, that's always thing. fun i like i like being like when i start i started journalism in in washington dc um mm-hmm. 20 years ago or something and one of the things that really like stuck with me is like this very very harsh editing like you know omit needless words thing yeah. from a, this old writing manual i think that's very important and i'm trying i mean i'm I'm sometimes over overdoing it and and you know talking too much or doing something but i'm trying to be like okay is this necessary no i cut it out because yeah nowadays people have the attention span of like goldfish so it's like you oh, have yeah. to be really concise you know <laughs> uh, oh yeah so I, well, i'm trying but it's not I, always easy no but i love it and thank you again for joining us make sure to go subscribe to him if you haven't already. Probably most of you that are watching this video are already subscribed to him. So if you want to join our channel, that'd be great. Um, yeah, do we're it. trying to get to four thousand. We're so close to four thousand subs, and then hopefully our goal this year is to get to five thousand. So hopefully we can do that. Um, thank you again That's for easy doing peasy. this. Uh, well, for you, yes. For me, no, no. So <laughs> For you, I mean, keep 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 pushing. I mean, it usually. Uh, if you know what you're doing and you're doing a good job like you're doing, I think uh, I think growth is easier. You know, for me, it was like navigating through, uh, you know, from this like knowing nothing to just now knowing a little bit more. But still, there are some young guys out there that they kind of like learn how to manipulate the YouTube algorithm perfectly. And I'm kind of old school, so I have to do it, hey. do it my old fashioned like. But that's but okay. It, but slow, we do. Slow. I like it. I like it, and I really do appreciate this. And thank you guys so much for watching. Leave a like. Thanks, man. Thank you. Leave a like, subscribe, turn notifications on. I'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you, guys. Or or just have to struggle to get it in or have like three rackets in one pocket and it should fit. And that's something that I've noticed is my my general problem with a lot of the new the the bags from smaller brands is that they they don't the racket compartments are a bit too small. Yeah, they are too tight. Uh, well, it feels almost like too short, and you can fit maybe two rackets in it. Yeah.
and that is not how it should be. Uh, so um, you do need to lug around the stuff, and like if you go to a tournament, like in and um, and people who travel with the tennis bag, which I've done a lot, and you've done a lot, like it, it requires like very good durability and then some smart thinking, and you need to be able to to have all the stuff you want to the court, like extra shoes, wet the clothes, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really important. Um, so bags is uh, something you should really choose with, um, uh, how do you say, you should really choose it wisely because bags is also a pretty big cost these days. So choose like an, uh, a very neutral bag uh, that you can keep for a long time. Like the Wimbledon bag, for example, it will never be old. I mean, it doesn't care if I use a radical or prestige or um, some other colored racket. It's like a new neutral yeah. type of bag. So it's really good as well. Yeah, the bags are, are, are very important. <laughs> it sounds yeah. silly, but it's, it's, it's quite important, especially if you test rackets because I, I bring always around six rackets and then like for example i have people who want to try certain rackets so i don't only bring for myself i bring for people who want to test and then it yeah it's, it quickly expands beyond uh, and then i have to like it's it's annoying when you have to carry like a plastic bag with shoes or and then i also carry my tripod uh, so it's it's a little bit like a you look like you're a vagabond like oh i'm yeah, i'm sleeping on the streets because i have this massive <laughs> bag with loads of stuff you know going fishing or whatever that's um it's an interesting thing but it, it's yeah it's all a part of the gear of the gear hunt you know and so you recommend yeah. bubble up bags and um the head uh, duffels are good the head duffels are really good um if i had to like i have to choose a bag i would say the head um head duffel and not like the small duffel bag that the handle of the rackets are outside of the bag i mean the the racket duffel bag uh, yeah, yeah the big the one bag yeah. if i had to yeah if i had to choose one frame one bag that would be my choice at least as it is right now yep i it's a good one i agree i have a few different bags i, I like the i have the head extreme night edition 12 pack uh, which is super durable and it's been traveling with me so uh, i like that one i also like the smaller brands like the go sport bag uh, i like that one a lot and uh, now the newer one I also have more space for rackets so that was a good addition i can even squeeze in four per pocket so that is a bonus so there are some good bags and now i'm testing this adv the bag uh, which i like uh as well it, they, they've really improved i i, I noticed like when you make like one bag, like these small brands, they make one bag and they then they keep improving it. So they get a lot of feedback and they have time to actually sit down and listen to the feedback. It makes a much better product. I think some of the bigger brands, they don't have really time. They just use the bags as an extra income. So they produce the same type of bag over and over again. And it's nice when they you see like, oh, version two was much better than <clears throat> version 1.0. Yeah. It's good. good with smaller brands sometimes because... And they are caring so much about their, um, they are selling yes because they have like a good product, not that the bigger brands, they also have good products, but uh, they are also very dependent on the advertising and pro players. The smaller brands, they are just selling for, for uh, because it's a good product. So they are really careful about what kind of product they are giving out on the market. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, to, um, to note 100%. All right, I'm gonna probably let you go because you are, have a life besides tennis nerd universe, uh, which I don't. No, I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's um, 
it's always good talking to you. Uh, we covered quite a lot of ground. Did we miss anything? Did we miss a racket that is, I mean, are you getting the pro staffs tomorrow? I'm going to be keenly awaiting to see your pictures and see how they look in more real photos, as we mentioned. And I'm unpacking and stringing my uh, uh, shift rackets. Uh, so I'm curious about that tomorrow as well. Yeah, it's nice. It's always nice to have something new to try. I mean, imagining if you are settled with one racket and just using it for like five years, imagining how boring that would be. Can you think <laughs> yeah. about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think about that because I, I, I never settle. Like I, I find a racket, like I like this racket, it's good. And then like a few days pass and I'm, oh, I'm a bit bored of it. I mean, it's still a good racket. It's not like I changed my mind. Yeah. I'm just a bit bored. So I, I just want to play... Because it, like the racket affects your style as well, so maybe oh I'm playing a clay match now. It would be fun to use an arrow or uh, you know an old soft drive, which I still play with some from time to time. And then you play like on a fast hard court, then you want to use a little bit more of a controlled frame, whether that would be a pro staff or radical or something like that. So for me, it's it's always changes, and it's 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 good for me because if I settle on one racket, it, it becomes more difficult to test. So I I think I just have to settle on the feeling that you keep testing and it's it's fine and it's, it's also it's more fun when you actually have look forward like if you're playing like a serious game and you want to improve 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 then testing rackets is a bad idea so uh, and i'm not at all there <laughs> i just play the ITS yeah. because i think it's fun you know yeah it's really fun i i would i seriously never want to have like a sponsorship because then i have to use that racket all the time and uh, that would take away a lot of the fun uh, with the, um, with tennis. For me, gear is like okay. Tennis is of course the, the 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 game itself is the most important. But I mean, I don't know if I would play tennis that much if it was not for the gear. So um, gear is more than more than important for my tennis game at least. And I know that a lot of, especially the the listeners to this pod is in the same. Uh, same category that gear is important and it's always nice to have something to blame on when you're having a bad day really <laughs> yeah. nice to it adds spice to your uh i think it adds spice to your tennis like it, it it's it can be detrimental and also a, a source of frustration but overall i think it adds a bit of enjoyment uh to the game and I, from what i heard from this pickleball uh, rise in in the u.s it's they they have a little bit of a of a nerdy thing. I not the pros, obviously they play with the same paddle all the time. But then like a lot of people they test, they come to the court with like five different paddles because they have different spin and different power and sweet spots. And I think it's there. It's more natural to just have a, a like a bunch of different because you don't have That's like good. five of the same in in pickleball. That's nice, nice to hear pickleball. Maybe we should try that next time we meet. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually trying to get Nikki to to try pickleball because I have two two paddles to test, one gravity and one uh, diadem ra warrior. Uh, but he is very hard to flirt into pickleball, so uh, it's better <laughs> you come here. We can try it. But I'll, it's better I'll... you tell tell him that he should not play that um, uh, non-sport paddle and <laughs> exactly. try pickleball. And yeah, yeah, so get him away from paddle and uh, get him into pickleball. I think that's better. Yeah, some people are hard to please. I I play whatever, but it's it's uh, you know it's, it's it's as long as there's some exercise and and some social aspect involved and and you know a beer afterwards, I'll I'll play whatever sport people suggest. But uh, yeah, some people are harder to <laughs> to to coax into something new. But yeah, when you yeah. when you come here, we we play some pickleball, we play some tennis, and uh, we we have a good time. Absolutely, that's um, I think that could make some good content as well. 
Yeah, for sure. It's always fun to try new things as well. And people uh, people are curious about this growing growing sport in the US, of course. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. So uh, I'm going to let you go back to your family and uh, have a nice evening. Always enjoy talking gear with you. And whenever you want, Likewise. we talk more. We talk more about gear and we have some uh, interesting conversations maybe soon with your pro staff ventures uh, happening when your uh, knee is better, or at least. Yeah, at least uh, a couple of more weeks and uh, then I think I will be back on track again or otherwise I will use uh, like diclofenac pills and some uh, heavy sports tape. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a way around it, right? So yeah, yeah. you have to ta tape up and hope for the best. Yeah, that's that's how we do it. We all we all this. We have to find solutions to keep keep it on the court. Yeah, we're not twenty anymore. <laughs> it's sad realization, but I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to be twenty and playing almost every day. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. <laughs> trying to trick trick father time. It's not the easiest. Yeah. All right, Henrik. Well, take care, and uh, we keep in touch, man. Take care. Cheers. Cheers, man. Ciao, ciao.